Bom dia, galera. Tudo bem? And welcome to the Brazil Crypto Report podcast, where we look at the most important trends, talk to the key builders, entrepreneurs, and influencers in this important yet overlooked market. At Brazil Crypto Report, our thesis is that Brazil is the most overlooked crypto ecosystem in the world. It's a country of more than 200 million digitally savvy people, a $1.5 trillion economy with an estimated 10 million crypto users. However, this market remains a terra incognita to the largely Western and English-speaking crypto ecosystem. So our goal here is to be a bridge between Brazil and the global crypto community. So with that, I'm excited to welcome our first ever guest to the show, who's the head of LATAM at FTX and is a Brazilian crypto OG. Obviously, anyone who's been paying attention lately knows that FTX is arguably the hottest company on the planet. So in this episode, we're going to dive in and learn about what FTX is doing in Brazil and LATAM more broadly. And we're also going to get Antonio's views on how the Brazilian crypto scene has evolved and where it stands today. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Antonio. So I'm here with Antonio Neto, who is the head of LATAM at FTX, based out of Sao Paulo, right, Antonio? Hi, Aaron. Thank you for having me here. Really pleasure to be able to discuss this uh, exciting market with you. Great. Yeah. So we're excited to do this. Excited to have you on board here. And I uh, really want to kind of dive into kind of like your story a little bit and also what FTX is doing in Brazil and in LATAM more generally. And then we also want to dive in kind of what your roadmap is for the next year or so. What, what can we be expecting to see from FTX in, in Brazil? Obviously, FTX is sort of taking the world by storm right now. I feel like every here in the US, like every sports team now has some sort of FTX memorabilia, you know, sponsorship on it, on their, on their uniforms. So, but anyway, so why don't you just give us a kind of a quick background on like, on who you are and how you got into crypto and then how you ended up uh, arriving at FTX in Brazil. So I'm actually, I'm actually from a small city um, up north in Brazil from Sobral uh, in the state of Ceará. And I came back to, I came to Sao Paulo in 2017 after doing a, uh, an industrial engineering degree and uh, being a graduate trainee at a multinational company in the spirit uh, space, working supply chain operations, business development, and so on. And then in 2019, after being in crypto for like seven years, uh, since 2012, 13, when I bought my first one, I've decided to make the move and go for crypto, you know? At the time, and actually before that, it was a bit, a bit suspicious to be in crypto as people didn't have much knowledge about it. And also the pyramid schemes that we see today, they existed back then and they were way more aggressive, like doing um, national campaign televisions and stuff. So like the image wasn't that good. But by 2019, um, the scene had changed a bit, like outside of Brazil, a lot of more serious people have joined the, the space. Um, and then I, I took a dive to make this change, you know. And then how I got to FTX, um, I was actually living in Florianopolis, um, was building a startup out there. Florianopolis has this big scene in crypto, so it's re really nice. Uh, they have the the university there, uh, which is really like it's a, a great space to to develop business. It's actually one of the best in Brazil. Um, so and being there for almost six months, I decided to come back to, to Sao Paulo because like life there was good, but like people were just like too easy going and like wasn't looking much into doing business you know not not very much in a hurry let's say 
And then I came back to Sao Paulo after six months and then COVID hit. <laughs> then I had to get back there. And at this time, when I was there in 2020, I have already been trading in, in FTX uh, since October 2019. By May 2020, I believe, they started accepting uh, real deposits. Just out of the blue, I don't know why uh, Sam uh, followed me back then in, in Twitter. But I just hit, hit him with a DM message saying, hey, I'm from Brazil. I have this background, been crypto for a while, even though I was more outside of Brazil, like in the communities outside. And, and had, then he just got, got back and said, hey, yeah, talk to Tristan. And here we are. <laughs> just oh, wow. like that. So that was, that was your story. SBF just randomly followed you and then you shot him a message and then he's like, hey, I want to hire you. <laughs> <laughs> and now yeah. pretty much how it works. Wow. Yeah, very high level, sort of something like that. Yeah. 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 Well, hey, I mean, that's that's how people get jobs in this industry, right? Is just by, you know, like Twitter DMs, right? Yeah, exactly. Then tell us a bit about what so you've been with FTX Brazil or in Brazil for you know 18 months, two years now ish. You know, what are the big projects you're working on or what responsibilities are you working on? So I've been here, I've been at FTX for yeah, almost two years now. And it's been a crazy ride, like very, very fruitful. Um, we see we see how, as you said, like FTX took the world by storm. Beginning 2021, like we were just like growing, but throughout 2021, it was just like massive. Uh, checking on some of the, the numbers and uh, from 2021, and it's just like crazy growth globally. About the... Um, how what's the mandate and how is everything at FTX? I think that overall people got the sense that we're very we, we work around everything regulatory, so we don't want to mess with anyone. We don't want to like be messed with as well. So we don't just like we do what we can um, inside the boundaries of the law and the regulation. So um, my mandate in Brazil and just like as I started was to uh, give customer support. FTX.com is a global company anyone can access. Uh, there is no um, restriction um, for many countries in the world. And so people do get access to FTX throughout like the many media uh, vehicles that we see. See about FTX, research about it, create an account and so on. So we had to give them this, this kind of local support. We've never done anything public in Brazil exactly because of that like there is no explanation to like to be public about what we offer and everything else because we are not regulated in Brazil we are in that situation but then we don't like extrapolate our position so we've always kept like that like since the beginning the focus was always on giving our customers this local support and this is still my mandate we are building out the, the region uh, we are trying to establish ourselves in in, in countries in in latam but always with care let's say of not stepping over what can be done and okay great so that kind of dovetails to my next question was I was going to just going to say that you know a lot of these other exchanges that have that are are operating in the Brazilian market now you've seen there's a big kind of marketing spend right people are uh, you know sponsoring like football clubs and there's really kind of an arms race to to acquire new customers 
um, whether it's you know Mercado Bitcoin or whether it's Bitso or whether it's some of these other uh, you know Binance or some of these other entrants. I'm just kind of hoping you could maybe describe for us a bit of like, you know, the what is the like the, the crypto exchange kind of market or ecosystem look like in Brazil? You have you know obviously like native exchanges like Mercado Bitcoin that are you know locally. Uh, kind of homegrown, and then you have a lot of international global companies like like Binance, FTX, Bitso coming in now, um, and this even like this new Turkish exchange that's coming in. Like there's a lot of yeah. there's kind of a big arms race for this particular market right now. So how would you kind of describe the, this landscape to uh, to an observer? Well, I, I would like to go back a bit and and remember or just like like when we first uh, met, your newsletter. It stroke out to me because someone saw the same thing that I was seeing that Brazil is overlooked. Like we are one of the most digital countries in the world. You have other barriers to allow users and investors to enter. The traditional finance system has, has always had this uh, big barrier around what they do as it is something that no one can learn and do and so on. So We've seen like a movement to change that, but overall, this is how traditional finance has always played out. When you think about like people trying to enter the space, access it, they need to have financial knowledge. Think about it as a like a growing person. This was my case. I come from a very middle class family. For me, the economy, politics, all this kind of stuff were like out of reach. Like that was for the rich people, you know, like those people that live in Sao Paulo and so on. When you get all this context, you put into some average person, like everything seems very difficult. When you get like digital, social media and so on, it's very easy for people to interact with. There is no knowledge barrier. Uh, but when you talk about financing and investing and so on, there is this huge barrier. But then crypto appeared, like crypto removed a lot of these barriers around the financial world. But it's, it also gave this game fight, you know, like funny way of people that is also risky. People need to be conscious about that. The whole financial knowledge in Brazil is assuming that it's infancy. Like I remember when I just started like researching the market, um, looking into this these aspects of the market and the users and so on. I remember seeing that like about 3% of the Brazilian population know what is a compounded interest. Like one of the most basic economic and financial uh, uh, concepts, like people don't have a knowledge about that. Don't take my, my number for granted, but it was something like in that sense. When you get that like huge market that has not had yet and access to the financial market. So when you get crypto and you give them like this opportunity to swap, to convert, to buy their more serious uh, coins, you know, like I see that Brazil is one of one of the countries being most sick by the exchanges to grow, you know. You can see, as you said, Bitso, Binance, just the ones from the outside, like they're not Brazilian. FTX, Novadax got a, it's a Chinese exchange with Brazilian operation. Yeah, you have a lot of people trying to enter the market and then you have a lot of local exchanges, but there are big difference in, in the market structure that is basically that Brazil doesn't have liquidity for Bitcoin. Even though like the local markets, they, they grow, the local exchanges, they grow, 
they have to take liquidity outside. At the end of the day, like intermediaries for for these other bigger liquidity pools, you know, I'm I'm not saying that Brazil doesn't have it does, but like it's not the biggest. And also in Latam, when you look into how people use crypto, one of the most used cases is P2P and OT. So you see other exchanges um, trying to get to this market, and then you have each one's way of doing its business in whichever country. So as I said, like us, we are very bounded by the regulatory uh, regime in each of region that we have uh, customer support and so on. But some others doesn't, doesn't care at all. Like, as you said, we see companies coming to Brazil doing like open public uh, offerings of things that can't be offered like doing huge marketing campaigns. Each one will have its own tactic, but like the outcome is also different, different for each one. And I think that's, that's interesting what you were mentioning just about the kind of the lack of liquidity in the, in the Brazilian market. So a lot of these smaller exchanges, I mean, even, even like, you know, your Mercado Bitcoin or your Bitpresu or some of these larger ones that are, you know, the larger ones among the local, they still need to there's still kind of this reliance on some of the outside, you know, liquidity pools and operators and things to source the amount of liquidity needed to, you know, make a market properly. I guess on that point, like maybe talk a bit about like what what type of products and services are are like if I'm a Brazilian, you know, crypto, whether if I'm a if I'm, you know, if I'm a real Brazilian crypto retail user, or maybe I'm an institution in Brazil who wants some exposure to crypto and I'm looking for, you know, some OTC, uh, an OCTC platform to use, for instance, how would I go about interacting with FTX in Brazil? And what types of products and services would be available to me? So FTX, you can access anything at FTX.com. So if you access that, like all products are available. What we do here is like funds you like big traders and so on. Most of them have actually have outside entities. So in Panama, uh, Bahamas, BVI, other islands that are considered safe havens for uh, like fiscal paradise, as we say here in Brazil, that people go there and they actually trade from there. So when the user comes to, to FTX, we only look which region he's coming from. So there, there are many ways to go about and most of our products are available for users. And But we do have this care of not public offering to anyone what we have, you know, like trade this or do that, like, or come at FTX and buy something. Like we don't, we don't do that kind of communication at all because of the reasons I said, but like mostly most products are available for our users from white labeling to getting liquidity for an institution. So let's say uh, an institution wants to get liquidity to offer a swap function to their users in the front facing app. They can go and get liquidity with us and sell it to their users through APIs or a white label solution or something like that. There are people that are looking for technology on, on many spectrums like having a full-fledged exchange with phone ramps and so on. The product range from basically like going there and trading uh, up to have your own infrastructure provided by FTX where you can operate or only have 
uh, UI, uh, a website where people will interface with our liquidity, with our backend engine. So kind of going back to what you were mentioning earlier, because there's still kind of this like sort of regulatory gray, you can't be like soliciting customers, but they can come to you in the region, right? But they, but you can't necessarily be going like marketing to them and saying, hey, like come buy with us. But if, if you're just sort of there, they can come to you. That's not necessarily prohibited. You just have to be careful about marketing to them essentially, or for being perceived as marketing to them. Yeah, exactly that. Okay. 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 That makes sense. I mean, kind of, kind of going back to what we were discussing a little bit earlier about the Brazilian market, but like, how would you sort of describe like the Brazilian crypto market to, you know, maybe an observer or a stakeholder who's, who's in the U S or in, or in Asia, you know, kind of a, you know, a crypto professional or observer, like what about the Brazil market is like, really like, how would you kind of go about describing like what makes this a dynamic market? And I guess kind of piggyback on that. Like, why do you think that this has been kind of like such an overlooked market over, I mean, is it just like the liquid, like the volume just isn't high enough? I mean, we see all sorts of press about like, you know, Argentina and Bitcoin and like El Salvador and Bitcoin, but you know, Brazil, it's like half of Latin America. Like there's hardly any real conversation about it. Kind of love your thoughts on that. For your latter question, Brazil, I see, I think that Brazil is mostly overlooked because, because of a couple of reasons. Like, I think people got to the same conclusions of what I said before about people not being that much financially educated. Meanwhile, you had other countries uh, that had this similar regulatory gray area. They were well funded with knowledge about the financial markets and trading and so on. So I think like when you look, I think you can, you can say that there are more interesting markets or there were more interesting markets. And, and then the second thing I would say that is Brazil is, uh, we have this, this thing that I, I've always been trying to avoid is everything that I do uh, in business or operations or anything from outside of Brazil. Uh, but Brazil has this, Jabuticaba thing that it has always its own way of doing things. It's so it's so in in the way it interacts, in the way we do business. You, you get all ways of doing business in Brazil. You have like a more American way. You have like this more like blunt uh, way of uh, of making business. You know, it's a, a really mixed, a, a really big mix. And then you have this unique thing that is uh, like understanding the law, the regulatory regime, the tax in Brazil is very messy. So I think that you have these two things that first would be the user base, the, the addressable market, and then you have uh, the operation itself in Brazil. And then the way I would describe Brazil, I would go from there. And then just like on the regulatory side, being very quick, um, we've been trying to regulate uh, crypto since 2015 or 16. It's been more something like a stunt sometimes, as in like just to make noise, but uh, trying to like cover some narrative or something like that. Because back in 2016, uh, our initial regulatory proposal for crypto was around pyramid schemes and uh, having these uh, bad actors being uh, considered and penalized by law when committing crimes with crypto. And then it changed. Um, so we kept this uh, gray area 
where who should regulate the asset, you know, like as it as it happened in the US, we had the similar thing in Brazil. Is it the SEC or the CFTC who should regulate this product? And then at the end of the day, like you can come to Brazil and easily offer nowadays, you can come and easily offer spot markets. And you can also use, you, you can already have these infrastructures behind that can allow you to quickly connect to, you know, to other businesses, open finance and so on. We have this initial barrier to enter the country, understanding how it works. But once you are inside, like inside the regulation and the regulatory regime, you can work your way around it. Like having payment institutions and have everything like don't throw the bank and settle in crypto. You, you can do some of these things, but you will find some hurdles at the beginning. Uh, and the second part, I would describe the, the Brazilian user base as being, I would say, late, but also very eager to catch up to, to the space. Why I say this, like back in 2015, we had a, a Brazilian community already, but it was very small. It grew a lot by 2017. We had like about four, 3 million CPFs, which is the Brazilian security number. We had about 3 million while at that time, the Brazilian stock exchange had about 800,000 people registered. As I said before, like Brazilian people is very digital. So our money is already digital. PIX, which is the, the most used transaction method in Brazil, it's completely digital and instantaneous. So like this for us is, it's very easy to assimilate. From 2015 to 17, we grew a lot and then we grew a lot more this time. And the base, it got like, you have a very small percentage of the, this crypto community that is very OG, that has been around for a while. Most of the Brazilian, let's say cohort comes from 2017. Where, like where these people got in the first time and then they got to learn how to get, to get into crypto, to learn about new launches and so on. They experienced that for the first time in 2017. And then like this time by 2020, those that were in 2017 were teaching. Brazil had a lot more structure in between 2017 and 2019 and 20. So when these new people got in, they, they had access to this huge sea of opportunity that is crypto. So people nowadays, they do talk about these smaller altcoins that are like over the 1500th place in coin market cap. You know, I would easily describe it as being, it's, it's a very good mix that uses crypto for investments, trying to, trying to get rich quick. And also trying to have some people are, are starting to look into ways to have EOD come use uh, their crypto in debit and credit cards, doing lending and borrowing. So like the, I think that, that the learning curve in Brazil is getting very steep soon. That's interesting that you mentioned that because I mean, one of the things I was going to ask next was like, uh, you know, this kind of this proliferance of pyramid schemes and, and other types of and other types of scams. I mean, you don't really see these things as much in the US anymore, but I feel like every week when I'm writing my my newsletter, there's at least like two or three new like sort of suspected pyramid schemes that are being like shut down or whatever. 
I, I guess in your sense, like, I mean, I'm sure kind of like the, you know, the education, the financial education um, piece is a, is a factor here. Like people just don't really know what to look for, but it also strikes me that just culturally Brazilians kind of have, there is kind of this like all or nothing mentality, right? Like I'm going to get rich or I'm going to die trying, or I'm going to, everyone's very, everything's very extreme, right? It's like, you're either like super rich or you're super poor. If you're, if you're going to go to the gym, you're going to be like super jacked, right? There's not really any like middle ground, you know what I mean? in the U S and other places, like you just don't hear about, I mean, back like, you know, five, six, seven years ago, you heard about these pyramid schemes. Nowadays, you don't really hear about that much anymore, but in, in Brazil, it's still a pretty, pretty prevalent thing. What's, what's kind of your observation on that? Yeah. I would like to start with a question back. Uh, has the law changed in the U S um, since then? I don't believe there's been any material changes that would have I'm not, not that I'm aware of. I mean, there might, there might be more, okay. there's, there's more, there's more sophisticated enforcement actions, I think, against some of these. I mean, especially now that these government agencies have, are, you know, they're using like chain analysis and these data, these, you know, blockchain forensics companies more, but most of the, yeah. most of the enforcement actions are, are, it's more about like kind of money laundering and, you know, things of that nature, right. not kind of straight, like pyramids, like, you know, I'm going to pay you 10% a month returns, you know, just straight Ponzi scheme type, <laughs> type things. Right. So, I mean, those things still do exist. You know, you don't, you don't really hear about them as much. I, I would say that, or I ask that because I, for me in Brazil, that's the most important part of this. There is the cultural part, of course, of being like wanting and wanting to be rich quick. This is very big in Brazil. Like, again, people don't have the financial knowledge. So that's plays a big, big role on how we do things, you know, like, how we plan and so on. But for me, the most impact, the one that has the most impact thing is the regulation. Uh, in Brazil, there are loopholes to allow people to run pyramid schemes that look like other stuff, but like on the background of the financial uh, statements, you can clearly see uh, that's not like something that can sustain itself. In Brazil, there's this saying that the, the crime pays People can get out of with like a billion dollars. And if he is apprehended, like he he will stay like for just four years in jail. So like I think that's that, that that's the thing that plays the biggest role in Brazil. They can do new parent schemes, think that about like uh, Brazil had these uh, big schemes back in the day, like in the fin traditional financial market, the Boi Gordo, the Avestruis, which were um, situations where people were doing the same thing as guaranteeing returns and promising um, big, big returns. I think it's a mix of these two things, but I, I get a sense that as uh, the financial literacy gets spread like i think it will get better on that sense well and that's one of the promising things about crypto i think is it's really like kind of a growth hack for financial literacy right like because it's people can really take in i mean they, it's once once you own this and once you have some of this in your wallet and you're invested in it, it's really kind of like a a hack to being able to learn like quickly you know how finances actually work right Especially, you know, yeah. places like Brazil, where like so many people have been kind of like shut out of the traditional financial system for so long, or, you know, only a small handful of people are investing in the Brazilian stock market because you need a certain amount of capital to be able to do so. And I think that's one of the promising things is crypto as just like a tool for building up that education, right? And this is, this is uh, one of the like most important things for us at FTX 
is to try and democratize the access to these kind of investments and knowledge, you know. Like we try to do that with having no ramps and off ramps in these countries that customers come to. Um, but yeah. I mean, one of the other things I wanted to ask, when I was living in Brazil last year for about six months, the thing I noticed was just these fintech apps, like these digital, like Nubank and, and Pix and these things uh, were just so like so much more like just superior to like things we have in the US here, right? Everybody uses, you know, it's like just the digital savviness of the population was so, it was just so advanced. Okay. And, and, and I guess my, my question would be, I mean, do you think that like, like, like picks, things like picks and new bank and, you know, it's, it's so easy to like transfer funds money now. And, and I think you can, you know, new bank has, has really, you know, been able to, to like bring a lot of new people into the financial system that wouldn't have been able to get bank accounts before. Do you see this as, you know, potentially like competing with crypto? Is this, is this potentially like holding back people from like getting involved in crypto or does it basically just change, you know, the value proposition of crypto to just more of maybe like a, an investment, you know, speculative instrument rather than a, a payments or, you know, financial inclusion instrument. The, the thing about this in Brazil is that I don't think it regards actually new bank and the others, the other new banks that we have in Brazil, uh, because those actually had like a lot of traction on the on their user base because they removed these barriers people could easily get a credit card and so on but i think that what we what could drive something different drive crypto to be only as this investment vehicle uh, is the cbdc that is uh, being discussed in brazil mostly because like the real would would still be used as the means of payment so which is, is still good because you know like and crypto appreciates a lot more <laughs> so uh i think that 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 would be the reason why these could be seen more as investments and then like you you can have this uh catalyst uh in this space that would be the regulation because i'm sure that the big banks a uh, new bank um are all looking into crypto, having right. having and trying to to have some exposure to this space. Right. Well, so how, how big of a concern is that at this point? Right. I mean, obviously there is there was a crypto regulation bill that passed in the the Chamber of Deputies last December, and then now, I mean, which controversial. I mean, some parts of the industry supported it, other people did not support it, um, and now that bill is going to be taken up in the Senate, in addition to a variety of other bills that are other. other various senators are proposing for crypto regulation. I mean, how big of a, of a concern here is that either the kind of the traditional financial services industry would come in and try to kind of kick away the ladder and put up some kind of, you know, kind of build that kind of a regulatory moat essentially to protect themselves so that they could, they could kind of keep this technology for themselves. I mean, how big of a concern is that at this point? And I guess any other thoughts you have on the current sort of legislation that's, that's working its way through Congress, I appreciate some color on that. So first things, um, legislation that passed in Brazil, um, the consensus is mostly what you said, that some things are good, some are not. The most important thing would probably be that they've decided who should look, who should oversee crypto, which is the Brazilian central, the Brazilian central bank. And by that, that gave people some, not only confidence, but also some breath for working towards something you know there are some concerns regarding 
how we are going to regulate the parent schemes and give the customer protections when investing in crypto. I think regulating crypto should not be about like just preventing uh, bad things to happen, but also looking and most most importantly, looking into the opportunities that that can bring. You know, like Brazil is a is this huge country that I'm particularly passionate about, <laughs> but this that has great people that. People here in Brazil are very ingenious. So like if we give them the space and the, the confidence to have investments, you know, like to build things, I think we can take a lot more value from the space and from this industry um, than just being or using this as means of payment and, and transacting and only investing in tokens and so on, but actually producing technology. So my concern, my, that's my biggest concern, is that like we missed this opportunity to be a leader in the, the LATAM region in this space. Like we have Argentina that has been through this, all these problems, and they have great startups in crypto there. Like they, they like big ones, most really known uh, in, in the world. And these guys are like kicking ass in the, in the region. And Brazil has this uh, economical like space to do to be really big in this like not not only demographic but like you have the knowledge you have the people you just gotta get this organized and you know and I feel that regulation for the asset itself it's pretty clear overall like you have a lot of countries discussing this you have a good example of Switzerland that have this really clear coverage on, on what each uh, regulatory body does in which part of the process of investing or buying an asset. Um, but, but then there's this other side. So, but overall, my view for the regulatory space in Brazil is very positive. We have, uh, uh, we have this, uh, this initial view that already gives this coverage for the asset. It allows the exchanges to have a more clear understanding on like what could be offered, who they should consult with for each like kind of product that you want to offer. And again, overall, I don't think the traditional finance space will have, uh, will, will have this, uh, this, this role of being a bad actor or trying to barrier this. I have it will be the, the other way around. I feel, I feel that they see that regulation it's, it's a catalyst for this industry, for them to innovate and to onboard new users. Uh, you can see that like when you, we talk about financial instruments, we have the Brazilian ETF by hashtags, mm-hmm. which is like they're they are already offering DeFi. So like, I think overall the, the outlook is really good. My only concerns are those that I mentioned about like missing opportunities and like not constraining the space too much, you know? Yeah, right. It's always this delicate balance, right? Funny because I've been in crypto now since 2016 as a you know, journalist in some capacity. And it seems like that's always the question every year is like, oh, this is the year where we got to figure out the regulation part, right? And you know, it's, all, it's like every single year. And then now this year, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, you know, you're like, okay, like one of these years, we're going to figure out the regulation. And then like once, the, once we reach some kind of regulatory sort of, you know, hey, we all agree that this is acceptable, you know, then it's kind of like, okay, now it's time to really take off. We can, we can, we don't have to worry about debating these things just like over and over and over again. 
So my kind of thesis for Brazil's as well as my Brazil crypto report project is 2022 is going to be another one of these years of regulation, right? Where it's stable coins and it's all these other things. It's bad up and travel rule. And, but you know, once, once some of the, these issues get resolved or more or less resolved, it's time for, that means it's time for a lot of these larger exchanges and large, large service providers to start with any other industry. Like you need to find new markets for expansion. Coinbase is looking to, they're staffing up in Brazil, like Binance is staffing up in Brazil more, FTX, obviously. So so it's like, where's the next place that these entities are going to go? It's like, well, Brazil is, you know, $2 trillion economy, 200 million people. So I, I guess on that note, like, I'd love you to just kind of give us some color on, um, you know, maybe FTX's kind of current operations in, in, in Brazil and, and maybe, you know, LATAM more broadly. And then, you know, over the next like, you know, six, 12, 18 months, like what's, I mean, I feel like six months for FTX is like, you know, like, like so much, you know, like 18 months ago, no one ever heard of FTX, right? So it's like kind of, you know, um, you know, in 18 months, like Sam, Baker, yeah. you know, king of the universe or something, but, um, you know, but like, what's kind of the roadmap, you know, for your operations in Brazil and then, and then maybe, you know, kind of broadening out into the rest of Latam. Yeah. FTX is this um, fast moving, small coordinated i would say uh ship we move really fast it's impressive being inside and seeing that even though like we we grow very fast like that was not the same case for latam we grew at the same pace of ftx globally in the in the number of people in the team like we had uh, when i started FT at ftx we had 72 people or 60 or something like that. We are 200 something right now. Uh, in Latam, uh, we were one, we're now three. <laughs> so uh, that's our current operation. So um, for us, this this has been like our work. It's, a, it's, it's been understanding everything uh, on how we're gonna move, how we, what we're gonna do, what makes sense, what doesn't, uh, what, what is covered by uh, by the regulation, what is not, and so on. So for the like just like the the last year, the oh, sorry, like just like for FTX globally, uh, the idea now is to like keep building on top of what we've done the last year. So you get, you can expect like um, uh, hopefully um, more coverage um, in the second half. Um, and yeah, like we, 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 we intend to be more present in the market, uh, overall. Maybe I'll turn it back to you here to kind of wrap up, but is any like closing thoughts or predictions on the Brazil crypto market for, for 2022, like, you know, FTX related or, or otherwise? Yeah. I think that just like looking into, into this, like history of Brazil in crypto, I see that we are close to a moment of like explosive explosive growth in brazil um like it's not gonna happen like the next few months like but i would say like a year or two we are gonna see that like brazil can be leading in this space like in number of users volume and and also investments and uh easter tops and so on so uh, this is something that i, I personally have been looking forward like most of my work is focused on how can we um, bring latam to become like a big player in this space and especially brazil 
and not only from like FTX perspective, but in my own, on my own, my personal projects and, and, and like the people that I, I get with, it's, it's trying to build a better space for Latam because it's, uh, I think it's a, a lot more about than just payments. So like, we got to move past that, build technology here. Um, I think the space is going to grow a lot, just like crypto overall. But like, I think, I, I feel that again, in a couple of years, we will see like Latam having a, a more, a more relevant role in the, in the world. In this, in this industry, of course. Great. Well, thanks so much for your time. Antonio Neto, head of Letham at FTX. Uh, really appreciate you uh, being on our, our inaugural Brazil Crypto Report podcast here. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much, Aaron.